You're listening to Diferente. This is part two of episode 133 with Alex Santiago. In part one of this episode, we learned about Alex's childhood, from growing up in his native Puerto Rico to moving to Naples, Florida, where he struggled to assimilate and also where he learned the meaning of racism. Fast forward many years later, Alex is now a business owner and experienced creative strategist. And in this second part of the episode, he shares powerful insights on branding and other marketing strategies for startups and small business owners. Let's continue. Bienvenidos. Welcome to Diferente. My name is Maribel Quesada-Smith. I'm an expert at questioning everything who wants to bring more color into your life. I'll be coming at you every week with a little humor and a mountain of passion to share with you stories and ideas related to life, culture, creativity, and business that will inspire all of us to explore different perspectives. Don't be surprised if you find yourself motivated to shake things up. That's known to be a side effect of the Diferente life, and it's contagious. Now let's get to it. So we've kind of derailed a little bit, but... A little bit. Not really, because <laughs> I needed to hear that. We needed to hear that story. That I, <laughs> I think it's so important that you shared the who you are part of your story with us, because now we understand where you come from, and why you have built this company as you have. So tell me a little bit about your company. Okay, so Social Mosaic Communications was born as that idea uh, as a college student so in 2009. And I say that out loud and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the 10th anniversary of an yeah. idea becoming something. So in 2009, I came up with this idea. I opened a Twitter account and I started presenting myself as Sosaic. So online, Sosaic just means social mosaic. Mm -hmm. And I needed to get a portfolio. And one of those early mentors that I spoke about earlier, you know, told me that a great way to build a portfolio was to help nonprofits. They need the help and you need the and you need the the work. Mm -hmm. So Social Mosaic, being that it was so culture relevant, right? So culture forward, I built it as a front for me to start doing nonprofit work just to work my to build my portfolio. And You know, by the time I knew about brands, I knew that I needed to have a brand. I knew that I needed to have a name and a logo and I needed to have something that represented me. So while I was going to school, I was freelancing, I was working, I was interning, kind of doing all of the above. And that kind of led into you know refining myself. So I started as, you know, a nonprofit communications company. And then I realized, hey, man, you've been doing this social media thing for a long time. You know, <laughs> the name social is there. So you should kind of like focus on the social media thing. So then it went from a communications to kind of like that emphasis in, in social. And it was it that was it, it started becoming more of a consultancy. Right. It started more like, hey, I can do social listening. I can do community management. I can do creative. And it started becoming a little bit more. But what I never lost was that I always understood that for anything to be great, it needed to be integrated. It needed to be more. So a lot of the opportunity came if somebody wanted to have a social campaign, I was like, well, how's your brand doing? Mm. You know, what is your what is your brand? Like, what is the brand? And the reality is for you to do anything nowadays, you know, the brand has definitely evolved what it is and what it means. But I ended up realizing that my passions lied in building brands, that you cannot have a great ad campaign if you don't have a great brand. Right. You know, so, so, Basically, what ended up happening is that I started forming from nonprofits to social media consulting to copywriting. So I was doing copywriting overall, and then eventually to our 
current form, which is a true branding consultancy. So a responsive branding boutique. And that's kind of where my passion, my experience, as well as my wives and my partner ended up refining into social mosaic. The core, the soul, it still stands for the same thing. So we still work with a lot of uh, people of color. We still work with a lot of startups. We still want to, again, elevate the individual and make them part of a bigger culture and a bigger movement. We're just focusing on branding specifically. So what we call from business plan to brand book. And that kind of has become our our kind of call to action. And can you explain what is responsive branding? So responsive branding is something that I thought was popularized and understood, but it isn't. So I, I've come to learn that <laughs> it isn't. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. So my definition of responsive branding is a little bit different. Responsive branding is the direct extension of the technology innovations that have taken place and the inability of traditional advertising to shift from from screen to screen. So responsive branding is basically the ability to communicate, to connect, and to message no matter where you are. And having that ability to respond is massive, right? So for the people who understand what responsive design is, was essentially a type of design that it was based on the code, that if you were in a screen, in a computer, on a phone, on a tablet, it didn't matter. You're going to have a good experience. So what happened for us was that we realized that, yeah, you needed to have the phone to tablet to desktop experience, but what happens when you have a store? Mm. What happens when you have a shirt? What happens when you want to make a pin? What happens when you want to make a sticker? So a lot of branding didn't take in account all of those other areas that a brand needs to exist in. So basically, responsive branding for for us became just the idea of no matter what life or the world throws at you, you can have the proper response. And it's been really fun to develop our methodologies and what we call on our side filters. So we work with companies to create the right filters to have branding decisions and business decisions and messaging decisions that make sense for the particular moment, which then gets really interesting because then you get into this whole concept of designing in time, Mm -hmm. which is then is the second half of responsive branding, which is the creation of creative systems, which is also inspired by design systems, which is very much a UX, UI type Mm -hmm. of um, idea. So wait, back it up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. You threw a lot of information at me. So responsive branding, in a nutshell, is it basically the coordination of how your brand communicates with how your Mm -hmm. brand communicates with the audience in different types of mediums? Correct. Okay. All right. Now I get it. Okay. So how do you start to build a responsive brand? For us, how a brand becomes responsive is by creating filters and was really exciting for our side. And the reason that I call myself a creative strategist is because we love, we love the intersection between business and art, right? And oftentimes what I end up becoming is, um, is a business whisperer. And (laughs) what we do, yeah. So what we end up doing is, is essentially businesses know what they are, right? Like they have ideas, they have notions. Unfortunately, they always want logos. People just want logos because they think that a logo is, is, is a brand. So what ends up happening is, is, is this 
consultancy thing kind of takes over. And what it is, is asking the right questions and guiding people to focus them. Our methodology is kind of, it's actually kind of simple. First and foremost, you cannot make good decisions without having context, right? So we go basically through a Q&A question. Sometimes it's in person. Sometimes it's just working on the cloud. We, we love working on the cloud and, I, and I've worked with people across the country, uh, around the world. And you know, technology is awesome that way. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand your cultural context, what's happening in the market um, and how and how people are engaging with people like you, right? Okay. Then you need to find the focus. Like finding focus is the hardest thing that I've experienced with with entrepreneurs and business owners because they wanted to be everything for everyone, right? Like yeah. every business, every business gets started to make money, right? So why do you exist? Yeah. So finding that focus is very helpful. The last thing that we work through the Q&A sessions is um, pursuing those passions. So this is the part that they usually love because we can talk about colors. We can talk about what is meaningful to them. What do they aspire to be, right? And really what ends up happening is that they don't, they don't realize that I'm basically walking them into a path where I'm just helping them refine their ideas mm-hmm. by asking the right questions and then sometimes challenging their own perceptions, right? So that's a really cool thing is that I love research for that reason, because the data is not going to solve your problem. It's going to give you the intelligence to solve your problem, right? Mm-hmm. So from that session, then we build filters. And this is the really cool, exciting part. And I have to give credit to one of my professors at, at, um, at USF when I was going through it. Basically, we create a strategic filter and we create a message filter. So you can think about this like we give you a conscience and we give you a voice. So your strategic filter, your conscience, is the filter in which you run your business decisions. So this is the the example it is, you know, do we as a business wear this kind of shirt? Do we wear a t-shirt? Do we wear a polo, right? Mm. The strategy filter helps you make that kind of decision. Do we have Mercedes vans or do we have Hyundai vans, right? Those okay. are the decisions that the business has to make. The message filter is your voice. So the message filter is how do I speak? to my audience? How do I respond? How do I go to a journalist? How do I deal with a crisis, right? Because Mm -hmm. people forget that crisis management is very much part of mass communications, public relations. So that's my thing. Like I love marketing, but integrated marketing, you know, if you go back to the four P's, it is the collection. It's not just advertising. It is going to be, it is about product, it's about price, about placement, about consumers. And what's really cool so who has a conscience and a voice? A human uh-huh. being, right? Uh-huh. So that's what, what we end up doing is responsive branding is basically humanizing a business mm. and, and giving you the flexibility to be able to respond in the way that the business would respond. Because if you think about it, every business starts as a small business. But what happens when you have 100,000 employees? What happens when you are in 50 states? You have to make very fast, quick decisions in our modern era of social media, of things going viral. You have to have the ability and the speed to shift quickly. And the old model of advertising and marketing, that was impossible, right? You needed to come up with an idea. You needed to run it through through focus groups. (laughs) You needed to to buy the media. Then you needed to run it and then wait for people to to, To interact with it. Yeah. Exactly. 
So, so that's the piece that has been very exciting on, on my career and in the clients that I have had. And it's definitely different. And I thought that this was kind of like common sense things that everyone was doing, but it wasn't. <laughs> it isn't at all. So it's yeah. been really, really fun to, to kind of like bring my methodologies and bring some of this uh, thinking. And I'm not saying I'm not the only one. I'm saying that it's definitely, if you look at the big ones that do it well, Mm-hmm. They're 100% doing it right now. Yeah. So the responsive branding is definitely like the first step to a company to a company's marketing strategy. Would you, would you say that's correct? That's the way that we help uh, companies go to market 100%. Yes. Okay. So how do you begin to establish that strategy if you don't have a lot of money and, you know, for some reason you can't just hire someone to help you right away. Is there anything that a small business owner or an entrepreneur can do at the beginning on their own? Oh, 100%. So so the number one thing that I, that I would say to that is I deal with a lot of startups. And startups usually have a very similar problem, which is you need funding, you need investment. And something that we're very proud of because we are a small company ourselves is that we're bringing a lot of experience and we're bringing a lot of talent that you would expect in big cities for what I like to joke around Florida money, right? Like think about, <laughs> you know, like Florida, Florida is definitely less expensive than New York City. So we give people a true sense of value from we're going to give you quality and we're going to give people with international and global branding experience for a very fair price. So like that's something for me that that's usually my conversation with a business. But yes, I do deal with pro bono clients. I do deal with a lot of people who just fundamentally don't have anything. And what I like to do with them is that I may not go into the production level of things simply because they just don't have the money for production, right? But the thing about strategy is that if I believe in the company, I usually have to sit down and instead of having five sessions, I may have the one. And usually the biggest thing that helps people is one, again, understanding the context, understanding the world in which they live. And I'm sorry, but Google last time which it was free. So... (laughs) Research, right? Literally search. Look at the the words of the thing that you want to do, right? So research is free. The world is literally not in the palm of your hand. So understanding the context of culture and what's happening in culture inside of what you're trying to accomplish, it's essentially free if you do it yourself. Then the second thing is really narrowing down on an audience. And this is the number one mistake, like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. that most business people do. You cannot be everything to everyone. You become nothing to all. You have to focus into what it is the person. Give that person that name, right? This is where positioning, and I won't get into the great book that is positioning, but this is where positioning is born. You cannot form an idea and value in a person's mind when you don't know who that person is. Uh-huh. And I know that and you don't Amazon understand the, them, right? Like you, you don't understand. So what what they need to do is understand first and foremost who do you want to connect with. And then go on social media and follow that audience. So something that um, I'm very in touch with is, you know, Millennial Mom. So Millennial Moms, I've been doing, you know, the, the, the last three projects that, I, that I've worked in in the past four years has been for Millennial Moms. And again, joining Facebook clubs, 
follow them on Instagram, looking yeah. at influencers, looking at the strategies, it's not hard and it's also free. So there's a lot of the research components, but from a value perspective, what I like to give them is that understand the culture, micro, micro, create context for where you belong in culture and narrow down, focus down on who's your audience. And once you find the audience, who's talking to them in a very good way. Uh, right. So kind of it, look at what the, maybe not necessarily your competitors, but look at the brands that they follow too, maybe. Exactly. And they're engaging and with. That's, and, and that's a part of how we're different, right? So yeah, competitors analysis. Yes, they're real. Yes, they're needed. They're needed. SWOT analysis. They're real. They're needed. Here's the thing is, I do not care how Southwest is talking to, um, you know, college students when my core audience is going to be grandparents, right? That's the biggest mistake that I've seen companies do. Again, when you have too broad of an audience, when you do your competitor analysis because you don't have focus, you end up with very, very muddied waters. Mm -hmm. So for me, just an aspect of don't just look at competitors, look at competitors doing things well to the core audience that you're trying to connect with. Because the thing is that once you start seeing what they're doing well, when you pair that with the context and understanding where you belong, that's when the magic happens because then you find your in. And that's what this, our current moment in industry is all about. It's finding everyone has an in. That is actually something that I've, I've written a lot about is finding People's ends is the beginning, right? So the fancy marketers call it acquisition. Understanding the end and understanding that you can have real conversations on a one-on-one level and basis becomes a very key part of, of what we do. I'm interrupting this awesome episode to ask you a favor. Will you take a few seconds to leave a review? Tell me what other topics you would like to hear on the show. It takes less than 30 seconds to write a review and you can help change lives. Okay, I mean, that might be an exaggeration. But that's the kind of impact that Diferente is all about. A brighter outlook, a different perspective. All of this can be life transforming. I've learned so much today. <laughs> Not just about you, but about branding as well. Uh, so what are some of the things that big brands do that the little guys or the startup guys could also do in a smaller scale that's maybe more... Um, affordable or just easily to accomplish 100 or easy to well, accomplish the, i don't know what i just right said. a little easier <laughs> yes easier to accomplish i understood yes. the question <laughs> todo. okay Muy bien. so successful brands usually have a thing called budgets <laughs> um so so successful brands have budgets you know scientifically aligned to the kind of return on investment that they have, right? And and I say budgets, and I don't want to get into advertising specifically because people forget that your biggest your biggest expense is actually overhead, mm. right? It's the people the people who work for you and um, the the tools that take to start a business, right? So what people don't realize is the production is so expensive, and once you start getting into advertising, it's even more complex because then you have to have you have to buy media to target those audiences. Yeah. And that is even more expensive, right? A small company that may not have a giant ad agency or a giant production company to help them get what they need should find community. And this is the part where Social Mosaic comes full circle. 
the thing about finding community, you can find co-working spaces. You can give your services for other services, right? You can learn skills on YouTube that if you have a decent enough iPhone, maybe a $25 you know, set of lights with the right environment, you can actually accomplish a photo shoot and make your product look good. I'll give you a hard example of this. When I started doing music, I didn't have the money to go to a studio, right? Going to a studio was $1,000 a song. So my partner and I, at the time, decided to, you know what? Again, rebeldia, forget that. I'll build my own studio. Remember, I had a house. Yeah. So we literally came together. We both invested $300. And for $600, what we did is we converted a room into a studio. And at the time, guess what? I had no money, right? Like that was my savings. But you know what I had? I had the internet, <laughs> right? <laughs> I had the internet. So what I ended up doing is that we built community. We started recording artists for free, but with the agreement that they were going to say recorded at, right? And that's okay. when you start getting into the credits. So it was recorded at Merlot Studios. And then it was like, if you want to be under the label, again, you can record for free, but you're going to be on our label and we're going to do shows together. And the thing is, that's how all of the bigs start, right? If you watch the, the documentary um, of Dr. Dre and Jimmy yeah. Iovine, um, that's how every great starts, right? Like you need to have that answer rebeldia. You need to have the understanding of community. No one becomes great alone. No. And for those new right. businesses and these new companies, you just have to have that focus and truly understand what it is that you want to bring to people. And then work really hard and then leverage the things that are at your disposal. So for me, the internet became that thing, right? Like I became the social guy. I was the guy who was in social media. I was the guy who was able to kind of connect with people because, hey, I have been earning people's trust with a keyboard my whole, <laughs> my whole, you know, teenagehood and then, and then live. So now what I can give them is look into inbound marketing. Inbound marketing has been incredible because essentially inbound marketing means turning strangers into friends, friends into fans, and fans into evangelists, right? Which, what does that sound like? It sounds like work, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to spend time. But the thing is that what most companies have is content. They have a story to tell, right? We all have, you know, you just got the whole story out of me. I couldn't believe that I told you my whole personal story, but we all have a story to tell. So what you can do is you can leverage those stories. And if you have the right filters, right? If you have the right approach, yeah. you can build your right communities. And once you have community, you have a business. And once you have people, you have a brand. Because brand is not what the business says it is. Brand is what people say you are. And that is the second biggest mistake that most people and business owners that come to me don't understand. They own the business, they do not own the brand. <laughs> the brand belongs to people. So for me, what's really interesting is, right, like Nike was able to get away with the Kaepernick campaign oh, and the Serena campaign, right? They were able to get away with that campaign because people believe them, because they are speaking their truth. Gillette tried to have a woke ad, <laughs> complete backfire, because when was the last time that that company said anything, anything. about social justice, right. right? Right. So it's like, they just like came out and, and shocked the world out of exactly. Just, since exactly. when? <laughs> since when are you right? So yeah. 
they are the freshest, most relevant example of you own the business, you don't own the brand that belongs to the people. Mm-hmm. People decide what you are. Now, a branding company like what I run, our job is to find what makes people tick and nudge them to trust your story. Ah. You know what I'm saying? And how do you so, do that? Through... through So for us, we have our own methodology. And that's how clients find their agencies is very much that way, is you share core values and core beliefs. So some brands want to be disruptive and they go to one place and some brands want to be conservative and they go to another. Uh, So ultimately, what doesn't change in marketing and and for this to be beneficial to those people trying to have startups and try to trying to, you know, build something from nothing is that you need to understand the market and the playground that you're in and exactly with whom you want to connect. That is why branding is so expensive because (laughs) finding finding that simple, it sounds like a simple ask that it is incredibly hard to find and to get. Mm-hmm. And that's why the uh, investment is, I guess, worth it in the end. Yeah. So one of the craziest things that has happened to me is this um, this really incredibly brilliant guy. He was starting a, he was starting a um, an airline, and you know he had a, a flawless marketing plan. Right. He has the business plan. It was incredible. I felt lucky to be even approached by this person. And he found me on LinkedIn. He read my profile and he connected with my core values. So he cold emailed me and we hit it off. We had a conversation and we went to the races. And the craziest, coolest thing that happened was that I built, right? I built my strategy. I give him the filters. I give him everything that he needed. And he ended up raising $25 million in investments. Oh, um, wow. that was insane. Like that was insane. So, and you know, in all honesty, um, I was just getting started with the whole brand new take on branding. So I cut him a deal because again, I felt blessed just to, to be part of this opportunity. And again, that's the whole like value, the whole value, um, algorithm. It's mm-hmm. like, I have, I have this much risk. And I have this much, this much reward, right? So you have risk in one side, you have reward in the other. Value is the space that you're willing to pay somewhere in between. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like, so for me, I was like, you know, I'm not getting a lot of cash, but this is an incredible opportunity. Yeah. So to be honest with you, just for the sake of having numbers in the conversation, I only charge him a thousand dollars. Wow. For that study, right? Wow. So a thousand dollar study. Helped him raise $25 million in investors. That's impressive. He literally took that document and shopped it around and was able to raise that kind of, that kind of cash. Um, a second success story that I have was this really cool couple down in, in, in South Florida who ended up opening a second store, right? Um, I actually approached them. I fell in love with their shop and I saw that there were some discrepancies in the way that we're communicating, right? There were some disconnects. And I just, you know, I reached out to them. I said, listen, I'm willing to do this for free. You guys look like really good people. And, um, and they ended up taking the study that we did for them and it actually became their business plan. It was beautiful, right? But it wow. was collaboration. It was we came together, right? And again, think about social mistake. It was people from different areas with individual ideas coming together to build something greater. And that's what makes our industry so special. 
And um, yeah, so they ended up opening a second shop because their <laughs> business plan got so tight. Their business plan got so tight that they were able to find another investor, an angel investor, and they opened a second shop. And obviously, I'm not saying that, hey, I got them that. They got that from themselves with the yeah. guidance and consulting that that we brought to them. And, and that's the piece that's really, really um, exciting for us is that we get to see people go from this lack of focus and from this kind of like uh, scatterbrain syndrome that unfortunately <laughs> comes with owning a business. Yes. And being and creative sometimes. The focus. Yeah. Oh, and being creative, you go down the rabbit hole of subjectivity, forget oh, yeah. about it. That's a yeah. whole nother show. Yep. <laughs> no, I, I understand. I am one of those people. <laughs> it's like, well, what if we could do this? And what if we could do that with this and that and the right. other? Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, so oh, my I'm God. The, I'm the mean guy who's like, okay, we need to focus. Remember <laughs> that this is, uh, I just I just learned this week about uh, finite games and uh, finite games and infinite games and business it's not a finite game. In business, it's about longevity, right? There's no winners and losers. The whole illusion of quarters is made up numbers. So <laughs> if you think about it that way, it's like, hey, we can do all those things. We just have to do it in the next three years because you need to give the time for people to accept your message, yeah. to respond to you, and then for you to kind of pivot based on their response. And that's why, again, our methodology and our filter system has been successful and with with our with our clients. Oh, well, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Thank for you. For being so a part much. of Diferente. I have two more questions because as you know, yes. we must ask these of everyone that stops by Diferente. So number one, what is your passion? And number two, how do you define success? Like I said, you caught me in a very transitional time. I have come to accept that my my passion is in lifting others and that my passion lies in education. You know, I, I just wanted to be a copywriter and then I was like, oh, maybe I can be a creative director. And, you know, like I just, I wanted to make things, right? Like I, I always wanted to make things. Um, I'm a creative. And I realized somewhere in the journey that I care about education. I care about making people think. So my biggest passion is to help people, to lift people and give them the ability to think for themselves and to ideate, whether it's advertising or marketing or not, right? It can be a father. It can be a new, a new family member. It can be a politician. It doesn't matter. For me, education right now. I would say is my biggest passion is giving mm. back the things that I've learned, the the struggles that I've endured and the incredible teachings that older people have gifted onto me. How do you define success? So defining success to me is seeing my children grow up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, everyone, everyone who comes in this country, all they dream about is owning a home, sending their kids to school. And there is such a magic in that simplicity. And again, had we taught this conversation two years ago, I would have given you a different answer. <laughs> but success to me is being happy with yourself and yeah. actually being in the moment. Success for me is not allowing anxiety to disrupt your future by being obsessed with the future not allowing depression keep you in the past. Mm -hmm. Success for me is definitely that hug 
that your spouse or your best friend gives you and and the and the love of the moment um i can tell you right now that as a as an immigrant who you know broke the six figure mark who is living in his second home who has traveled around the world who has been in agencies people dream of who comes from a little tiny mountain in the middle of the caribbean um i have been humbled by life going through the things that have gone in the past year um i can tell you that it's not the material and i can tell you that is is the relationships that matter to you the most especially yourself i was not kind with myself and um i found this very unhealthy um comfort in unhappiness mm-hmm. that um that i would love to give people back who are listening or people who are struggling um with health and mental health that self love and that um mindfulness ultimately is what success feels like it may not be what it looks like but it's what it feels like thank you for listening to diferente if you like this episode let me know by leaving a five star review and by sharing a screenshot of this podcast on instagram or facebook Just don't forget to tag me at @adiferentelife so I can know you're listening. Hasta pronto.